Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, BA fam, it's Mandy here with another episode of BAQA, our show where we take your questions and give you answers. Now, this is answers with a lowercase a. I am not your financial advisor. I am not your investment advisor. I'm not your career advisor unless you work with me through my Mandy Money Coaching Service, but I am here to just give you my ideas. Now, with that said, as we always say in the show, as Tiffany would say if she were here, sue your grandmama, not us. I actually don't know why she encourages anyone to, sh- to sue their grandma, but you know what? I'm just going to go with it. And love and big virtual hugs to Tiffany as always. Let's get into today's show. You know what? We're doing a lot of personal finance questions today. It's been a minute. I feel like I get so many career questions now, but let's get back to business when it comes to money, okay? Y'all remember, you can send us your questions at brownambitionpod.com podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram. And we are on Instagram at Brown Ambition Podcast. You can also ping me directly. I'm at Mandy Money on IG. Love getting your questions. Remember, you can be anonymous, okay? We don't have to put your entire business out there. You're already being so generous to ask your question publicly or semi-publicly with the show. So just let us know if you want us to change your name or, you know, let you remain anonymous. I get it. Money is awkward. Money is private. We're here for you, okay? Let's dive into these money questions for today. Our first question comes from IG from listener Elsa. Elsa says... Which should be a priority when you have a limited focus? Should you focus on your emergency fund or investing in a 401k? Oh, Elsa, um, this is a great question. And I think this is so, I mean, it's everything that, it's something that so many workers go through when you feel like it's so important to invest right, but isn't it also important to have cash savings on the side? I don't think it's an either or situation. I think it's a both and. So what I would do is this gets down to the basics, right? So sit down and come up with how much money do you have left over after you pay all of your non-negotiable expenses, your mortgage or your rent, your car payment, your daycare, whatever you need, food for the table, your your must-have expenses, and then what money do you have left over? Now, this is where you kind of want to divide and conquer. Hopefully, you've got a little bit um, leftover of your budget. If you don't, then that's a bigger issue. But let's assume that you've got money left over. I would say take about, I don't know, whatever percentage you feel comfortable with, you can take 50-50. So take 50% of whatever you have left over. You can put 50% of that money into your savings account and then invest the rest. But don't forget when it comes to your 401k, 
If you take advantage of the traditional 401k, which is when you're actually putting money in pre-tax, it actually allows you to use money that otherwise would have been paid to Uncle Sam out of your paycheck and put that money directly into your retirement funds. And so why I'm pointing that out is that like, let's say your tax rate is 25%. If you were to, you know, take your paycheck and then put $100 into your retirement account, if you went ahead, that's $100 after tax, right? But if you hadn't taken advantage of that pre-tax 401k, that could be $125 because you're doing that money, getting that money before Uncle Sam takes his little cut, okay? Now he's going to get his cut down the line when you start withdrawing those funds in retirement, but that is one of the benefits of a traditional 401k that you get to use money before those taxes are taken out and then it can grow and yay, be happy and compounding interest and all that magic will happen until you retire and then you can plan your sort of tax saving strategy with a financial advisor down the line. But going back to the central question, you know, Is it an either or? Should I just be saving money in my savings or investing in a 401k? I'm a fan of doing both. And I wouldn't overthink necessarily, like maybe it doesn't feel like a lot. Let's say you only have $100 or a couple hundred dollars that you're able to part with each month and you split that in half and it's 50 toward your savings and 50 toward your 401k. It's still something. And at the end of the day, something is better than nothing. When I was starting out, automation was such a huge, huge component. And I can look back at it now, you know, 10, 11, 12 years since I started to invest and really credit not how much I was investing, but how I was investing with my success. It was the fact that I was investing automatically that helped me grow my net worth and 10x my net worth in just these past five years from 70K to 700K, as I've talked about. So when I go back to that automation, and what I mean by that is you go to your employer, your payroll, whatever it is, you can probably do it yourself or get in touch with someone from benefits and ask them, how can I automatically contribute to my 401k where I don't have to go in and manually do it each month? So what I would do is I go into my, uh, my paycheck online platform and I would say, you know, after everything is taken out, I want this much in my 401k automatically deducted. And then I would actually also automatically transfer money to my savings account. So you can tell your payroll department, here's my savings account routing number. Here's where you can find it. Please make sure that $50 or $100, whatever it is, goes into the savings account every paycheck. And what was so magical about this, the fact that I had my investing and my savings fund automatically deducted from my paycheck, is that when that paycheck actually hit my checking account, I knew it was money that I could spend. And I knew it was money that I didn't have, I didn't have to feel guilty about spending it on, you know, whatever I wanted to do, go to a show, buy myself a new outfit, get fancy coffee in the morning, like do whatever I needed to do, because that was the money I had to play with. Of course, after my rent and all that other stuff was paid for. So automation, automation, automation. And believe me, if you just start with a little bit and you automate it and you are consistent, you will see that investment grow over time. And also you'll have your emergency fund continually being reinforced with those additional funds. So I hope that was helpful. Please don't stop yourself thinking that you have to come up with the perfect recipe between savings or investing. Tweak it as you go. Something may come up and you may say, oh, I actually had a car repair 
or I was out of work for a couple months and my emergency fund is completely depleted. So let me ratchet it up and shift the balance more towards saving cash versus my 401k for a while. It's okay. It's a living, breathing plan and you've got to bake in that flexibility so your financial plan or strategy like doesn't become something so rigid that it stops you from actually making progress. Okay. Thank you so much for your question, Elsa. Let's get back to the mailbag and see what we got here. Ooh, <laughs> I, whew, okay. This one hits a little, you know what? This question I bet will hit close to home for a lot of our listeners because especially our listeners who are in relationships, because as you know, when you become partners with someone, life partners, now I don't care if you're married or not married, but if you're a life partner with someone, you're committed to each other. It's not just the partner often who you're committing yourselves to, it's also their family. So that brings me to my second question today from a listener who would like to remain anonymous. And this listener asks, Mandy, do you believe that someone's son should constantly give his mother large amounts of money because he thinks that she doesn't make enough? Signed, anonymous. Very short question, but so loaded and so complex. I'm going to make some assumptions here because we don't have a ton of information, but I'm going to assume that you are in a life partnership with this particular son in question and that he has been giving his mother money. And I'm going to assume that maybe you would like this to stop. Now, listen, I have been in this situation myself, not where I have a spouse or partner consistently giving money to his parents. But certainly there have been times, I mean, my husband and I have been together for a decade now, where once in a while, a family member may need help. And maybe it's someone who's asking for help from him or from me. But first and foremost, we always kind of tackle that question together as a unit. And that took me probably until I was had a ring on the finger and was married, married, capital M married, for me to actually bring him into every financial decision I made. It was a little bit more difficult for me because, you know, I'm an independent woman like so many of us are and I have my own money. So do I need someone's permission? No. But when I, I, I had to recognize, or at least for our relationship, it worked better for me to recognize like we are a unit even though this money technically came into my account, we are a team now. And our goals, we should all be on the same page about what we're doing with our money and how it's impacting our goals, for example. So um, yeah, we tackle those those decisions together. And there have been times where one of us hasn't felt comfortable with giving a certain amount of money to a family member. And I'm not going to name names here. That's not what this is about. But there, But the central issue was like, oh, uh, someone asked one of us for money who we cared about, and we would have liked to have been able to help them. But as a unit, we weren't on the same page. And there has been times on both sides where we had to like accept that. Okay, well, and then we would kind of compromise. Okay, if it's not this amount of money, what do we as a unit feel comfortable with? And there are those family members. <laughs> Y'all know who I'm talking about. They're the ones who, you know, it's a little bit then and then it's a little bit more later. And then it becomes like it doesn't start, you know, as a situation where, you know, you're getting a, a question or a request regularly, but it becomes more regular. And then there's a trend and then there's a theme and then it becomes an issue. And then you have to kind of really revisit it as a partnership and ask yourselves, like, are we what are we signing up here for? And let's get real. These requests are going to keep coming. So what is our 
what's our decision here? Are we going to keep saying yes? And if it's having an impact on your ability to reach your financial goals as a unit, as a family, then a thousand percent that that warrants a conversation. So I I get it. I get what you're saying, Anonymous. So it sounds like you're frustrated because your partner has been giving his mother money. You say large amounts of money because she doesn't make enough. This is a situation where you should talk to him, like sit down and say, how much and how long are we comfortable continuing to financially support your mother? And if the answer is this is my, which is very well maybe, this is my mom, I can't let my mom go hungry, etc. Like, what's your response going to be? And are you going to be able to make peace with that? It's really hard to tell someone that this family member, especially when it's a parent, it's not always a parent. It's a lot easier to say no if it's like their second, third cousin, right? It's <laughs> but when it's a mom, his answer may be, listen, this is really important. This is my mother. This is very important to me. I'm making, I'm doing well. So I feel responsible for assisting her. And it may take you some time to at least to, to broach this conversation and not have it ultimately, like not have it immediately go to that place of you're telling me I shouldn't give money to my own mother. Like I can already hear the argument, right? You kind of got to explain to this person and what may work is reminding him of how his decision and how this money that he is giving to his mother is impacting you guys and your family, your goals. You know, what are you unable to accomplish with the amount of money that he's been giving to his mother. You want to always bring it back to yourselves as a team. We are a team. Here's how this amount of money is impacting our capability as a family to reach these goals that I thought we were on the same page about. And it may not be an all or nothing situation. It may not be where, you know, he has to stop giving everything right away. You may just be asking for, can we scale it back a little bit? Or, you know, this is something that I've had to get better at especially when it comes to family who's asking for money. And it starts out as one time, but then it's a few times and then it's a couple times a year. It's like, what's the core issue here? And how can I actually be helpful besides just giving money? Is there a cash flow problem? Has their rent gone up? Has something else in their life, um, has something else in their personal finances kind of fallen, uh, created an issue where they're not able to cover their expenses anymore? And how can we help solve that core issue? Maybe they could use some help around consolidating debt or looking for alternative ways to pay things or decreasing their expenses in some way. So I think that that's the next level of help that family can also use besides just kind of blindly writing checks, which can start to feel like to your point and probably what you're feeling right now, which is when is this ever going to stop? Is it ever going to stop? And those are super valid questions to have. And you need to ask those questions and you need to get on the same page about the answers sooner rather than later, because otherwise it's going to be festering. You're going to start to feel resentment. Those Thanksgiving dinners are going to get a lot more awkward. Okay. It's going to get awkward around her birthday or Mother's Day when you're like, and now I got to buy her some flowers <laughs> like and a gift. Like it's just better to have those conversations up front with your partner as awkward and painful as they may be. And just sort of say, I'm fine supporting family, but let's get on the same page about how much, how often, and what other resources can we provide them with to help solve the deeper foundational issues that are here. And you know what? It may also be asking for support from other family members who may also have something to contribute here, right? I've talked to folks, especially when you have people who are the first generation 
um, you know, first generation uh, wealth owners are just owning, you know, having resources, having funds to give. And for the first time, and there's a there's a deep responsibility and a sense of debt that you feel like you owe to your family to help them, right? Um, but you're not always the only one who can shoulder that burden. And um, sometimes people put that burden on their own shoulders and tell themselves a story about how, oh, if it's not me, it's no one and they rely on me. But there may be other people who can support as well. And if you share that burden, it may, it may make the load a lot easier to carry. I just know that it's an awkward, uncomfortable conversation, but it's one that is so, so important to go ahead and have sooner rather than later. You don't want this to fester and to cause cracks in the relationship because ultimately you two are a unit, right? I'm assuming that you're in a lifetime committed partnership. You two are in a unit together. So that's what you at its core, that's the, at its core, that's what you have to protect is your relationship as a couple and transparency, honesty, and hopefully being open with one another will help. All right, let me take a quick break. I will be right back with our third and final question. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. All right, BA fam, you know we work hard and we play hard, but when it comes to investing and having your money in the market, you want your money to be working for you. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Keeps your money out there working hard and kicking you know what. I love Betterment because it makes it easy for even a beginning investor to figure out how to put their money in the market and set it and forget it and be at peace with that because you know Betterment has got you covered with their automated investment and savings app. Their technology is going to give you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize those returns. All you got to do is visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Security. Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Hey, BA fam, our fellow entrepreneurs and creatives, this message is sponsored by Squarespace. It is the ultimate toolkit for crafting your online presence. With Squarespace, it's really about more than just building a website. It's about shaping your online identity and making your mark. So say goodbye to checkout headaches with Squarespace's flexible payment options. From credit cards to Apple Pay, they've got you covered. And if you live in an eligible country, they offer buy now, pay later options with Afterpay and clear pay, which means that your customers have even more ways to purchase your products. So head over to squarespace.com and kickstart your journey with a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, don't forget to use our link squarespace.com slash brownambition to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
Just visit squarespace.com slash brownambition to get your discount today. Remember, your online success story begins with Squarespace. So what are you waiting for? Let's build something extraordinary together. All right, BA fam, I am back with our third and final question. This one comes from Adrian. Adrian, who is a member of Tiffany's Dreamcatchers group, says, Mandy, I'm hoping you can help me. I've searched the Dreamcatchers group and I can't seem to find an answer to the best form of payment you should use when paying a settlement for a judgment. I appreciate any help you can provide. All right, Adrian, I think this is a pretty simple question. So it sounds like there's been a judgment. So when she's talking about judgment, so basically when you have, let's say you have a debt that has been past due and it's gone past collections and the creditor or lender has actually sued in order to recoup its debt, then it can go to a judge and the judge will issue a ruling. And for a lot of people, they may never even know that there's a lawsuit against them. It may just kind of become another piece of mail that's in the pile. That, But anyway, it can happen. So a judge may ultimately issue a ruling and say, okay, yes, you do owe this creditor this amount of money. And then it comes time to pay the piper, right? So from there, what you can do is you can try to settle for less. So you could, you know, get your judgment of what you owe and then go to the creditor and say, you know, or to the to the judge and say, you know, I actually only have this amount of money. Is this okay? And then try to settle it for less. Try to work out a payment plan. Unfortunately, what could happen is that your wages are actually garnished as part of a settlement, part of a judgment settlement. Now that there's some exceptions, you know, for people who aren't a fixed income. So that's not a blanket statement by any means, but it can be possible that your wages can just be automatically garnished. That's one way of paying it back, which is not even in your control. But we'll add that to the list of possibilities. One is that your wages could be garnished. I think it's up to 15%, but don't quote me on that. It really will depend also on the states, the laws in your state. So your wages could be garnished. You could just make one lump sum payment, which can probably be done by check. I doubt it by cash because who even uses cash anymore? Finding the contact for the lender and getting on the phone with them with their debt collector's office or whatever who handles that kind of thing and making a payment over the phone can be another way to make that payment. You probably got a couple of options, but I think the best person to ask is going to be the whoever issued you the judgment or the lender who has been awarded a judgment against you to find out what your next steps are. At this point, though, you definitely don't want to let it go too long before making those payments because I think that's what actually triggers them to garnish your wages. And that sucks. Okay, so you don't want it to get that bad. All right. Thank you very much, Adrian. Also, shout out to Dreamcatchers. If you're in Tiffany's Dreamcatchers Facebook group, it's an amazing resource. I know their Dreamcatchers are on there all the time supporting one another and sharing their personal finance wins and challenges and questions. So if you're not a member, go check them out. All right. That is our BAQ&A for this week. Y'all, thank you so much for your questions. Again, hit us up at brandambitionpodcast.com where you can submit a question or go to IG. We are at brandambitionpodcast. You can also reach us by email, brandambitionpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>